here is Haya. Haya, why don't you go ahead and take it away, my friend. Hi, everybody. Oh, my name is Haya. It's like you're saying hello, Haya. Um, and I am a extremely, very isn't even the word, extremely grateful, recovered compulsive overeater, bulimic, restrictor, overexerciser. I was up and down, and up and down, and up and down. It's a privilege to be here. I'm gonna, I'm gonna just hide myself. Hold on a minute. There we go. Every time I speak, I like to hide myself. So I have to look at me. Okay, there we go. Now I can all look at you. So um, I'm just so grateful to be here. And I've got Amy B right in the middle of my Brady Bunch. And it's so nice to always see your smiling face. I think of you when I when I think of this meeting. And um, I'm just, it was really an honor to be asked to share tonight. And thank you for any of my um, fellows that I, that I know that are here um, in support. Um, cause it's always nice to, and some I know and some I don't know. So it's exciting to see some new faces that I don't know. Before I start speaking, I just want to, I'm just going to ask God to speak through me to let me be a vessel because God's the hero of the story. And don't worry if you don't believe in God or you're not sure, whatever I came and you know what? I love the name of this meeting, choose your own conception. All it says in the, in the chapter that we're going to talk about tonight is just willing to believe that there's something bigger than me and bigger than you, quite frankly, because you guys are human too. So, um, so I'm just going to ask God to be a vessel because really that higher power is the hero of the story. And before I start telling a little bit about my story and weaving in, or I should say weaving in my story to the 12th step, what I want to do is first welcome anyone who's new. Like, I am so glad you're here because, um, and I say this at every meeting I go to, if I say anything, and that is, this is a self-admission club. There's no inner circle. There's no click that you want in the click. This is the click that you get to be in if you want to, you know what I mean? Cause like I wanted to be in a whole bunch of clicks when I was little and I wasn't allowed to be in any of them, you know, cause I was, I was in the I was the fat one, you know, and um, in fact, my best friend in the fourth grade was stolen from me. And they said, Beth can be in the skinny committee, but you can't, you know, and so that was what it was like. I'm not going to show pictures because I know there are this is being recorded and some people might be listening and it's hard to like picture the pictures. But suffice to say that I was just up and down and up and down a lot. I was chubby as a kid, although I was like so cute. Like if you see pictures, of me, maybe I'll share that one. So cute. I think I should share my screen. Um, and uh, I'll just show you what I looked like as a kid. I guess I am going to show my. Look at me. Look how cute I was. Isn't that cute? Can you see that? How precious that little girl is, you know? And oh, that's me upside down. Hold on. That was me also. This morning, I love my mother. I'm very close with my mother today. But this morning, I woke up for school pictures. I think I was about eight. And, um, and I was all, that was me kind of towards the end. And, uh, I woke up and there's me. So you see, I'm like up and down. I wasn't really this obese child, but I was encouraged all the time. There was me. I was 16, 17 here. 
my mother's 40th birthday, like up and down. This is sideways, but that was my college graduation. It's so cute. Everyone's going like this. Um, and this was my college graduation um, with my two grandmothers who were no longer with me. But this is at the very end before I came to OA. This is me as a teenager. You know, I guess I am showing my pictures. Sorry, guys. Look at that face. Look at that face. So I was told this was like my sister's graduate. You could just see up and down. And I don't really have a picture of me when I got like super skinny. But you see here, I thought I was fat. Like I was told you need to lose weight. And um, and I already had that. So I'm going to stop screen sharing. So you get a sense of what it was like, you know, going up and down. I was told I had to be on diets from a very, very young age. And because um, you know why? It was a legacy burden. Like, because my mother was told she had to be thin and her mother was told she had to be thin. And I think, I don't know how far it went back. But um, so that was, it was really hard. So I qualified to be in here. I got the other part of another piece of the, another layer of the um ailment, if you will, which is the restricting bulimia part, which by the way, doesn't really work. And, um, and it wasn't so much about weight. It was really about control. And so it's, it's complex. I had to have that. I had to work with that and be willing to keep down. I'm going to say it's for any of the bulimics out there. For me, when I came into recovery over 30 years ago, I had to be willing to keep whatever went down my throat down. I was told trust gravity and digestion. So I can just say that if the qualification of whether I was going to vomit or not was whether I overate, that wasn't really surrendering, right? That was still control. So as long as I'm controlling my food and my food is okay, then I won't vomit. I had to say, I don't care what goes down. My th if, I, if I binge, it's got to stay down. And that was the first part of growing up. It was really growing up, right? I had to like be a big girl and take responsibility. Um, so I've been relieved of that for many, many years for which I'm extremely grateful. And, um, and I'm so grateful to the people who shared the program with me. I stayed in OA for, and I was in, uh, I have a huge background in AA, meaning I was raised in AA from the age of like 19, 18 and up. I'm 55 now. So you could do the math. And um, and so I got a lot of big book foundation, a lot of strong foundation. You had to weave through and find it because when treatment centers came about, things got a little murky and wonky. And now there's such a beautiful resurrection or reformation, you know, going back to really what is the program of recovery. And so anything I share that is not from the program of recovery is merely my opinion and my experience. But we can take what the directions are really to heart um, because it worked for so many people. And in fact, for anyone who doesn't know this bit of information, I'm not a real big book historian or anything, but this I do know, which is the program of recovery came before the book, right? This is what these people did. It worked. They wrote it down. Why? So that they could pass it on to others. The theme of our step. That's the whole purpose of the book was so that people far away could work this program, which says a lot about sponsorship because you don't have to have someone. It's highly recommended, I think, you know, and and why? Because you gotta be one. It, that's the whole piece. It's, it's gonna, it's, I'm gonna read in a second what it says here about working with others. But that was the point. So the program of recovery is really what the recovery is. Everything else is commentary and, um, 
And um, I'm just really glad to be here. And I am so grateful. So I took a little break from OA about, um, for about a year and a half. Don't recommend it. It was a little cuckoo in my head being without the program, without a fellowship. I had a spiritual life, which I developed through program actually, um, but I was trying to control it. And I'll tell you why I backed away because there was a lot of rhetoric going on that was not actually the program. And it was quite frankly, it was a turnoff. And I think I just kind of was like, I, I don't want to be associated with this. Thank God I hang out with community where we, we stick to what it is, you know? And uh, anyway, I don't recommend it. My ego kept me out. That's really the truth. Um, it was torture. I was in my head all the time about food. Did I eat enough? Did I eat too much? It was crazy making. I came back, thank God. Um, and, and then I came back and I actually got abstinent. Um, but the, I guess the community that I was, that I was connected with didn't really do this. They, they didn't go through all the steps. Sponsors actually stayed your sponsor forever and then didn't have space for anybody else. See, my sponsor is still my sponsor, but I don't talk to her that often. I get my, her evening review every night. She gets mine, right? She sends it to her sponsees. I send mine to my sponsees and the people in my God squad and my sponsor. So she knows what's going on. So I could pick up the phone at any time and she, she could pick up in the middle of the story, like a good friend, but she's busy working with other people. If she had to take my call every single day and listen to me talk every day and I had to get, she wouldn't have time for other people. So that I didn't feel really recovered. And I got exposed to just some people and I was like, oh my God, I want what you have because I used to be able to speak like this. I used to be able to have passion for working with others. I didn't really have a passion. I was like, oh no, I don't have time, you know? And now it really is what the book says. It's the bright spot of my life. It really, really, really is. I love it. Um, so if we look in the chapter, working with others, which is on page 89, I just want to highlight a few things because I, I don't have a ton of time to talk, but I want you guys to also be able to share or ask questions or however you do it. So the first thing it says in the book is nothing Nothing so much, so much ensure immunity from drinking, eating, binging, purging, whatever you fill in the blank, as intensive work with others. So it's telling me right here, if I want immunity, I have to work with others. Now, I think of this disease like spiritual cancer, okay? I really do. And I treat it like spiritual cancer. Like, God forbid, I don't. I hope no one has, I, my heart goes out, my father died of cancer. Like I have a very soft spot about it, but I have to take it seriously. It's a spiritual cancer, meaning it will just, the, the, the disease will just multiply and grow and grow and grow. The more I stay away from you and God and self-reflection um, and the humility that comes with it. And anything I say like passionately, it's not because like, I think I'm great or anything like that. It's, it's just because I feel I'm so grateful. So it's like, I just want to shoot from, you know, shout from the rooftops, but I don't to people because the only people I do is people that like want it. Right. So I don't push myself on anybody, but I can, cause it says attraction, not promotion, but I can certainly show you how excited I am about being, about being recovered. So, um, and, and by the way, after working the steps through my sponsor, where she took me through and I had a, I really had a new experience. And it was the first time in 30 years that I could say that I really felt recovered before I had recovery. And I, and I had a good, I was in a thin body. I had five children in between those. I, 
yeah, in between those years, you know, and I, and I worked with, I did help other people and I was, you know, very involved and what have you, but I never really like a hundred percent really felt that like total 100% complete neutrality, like really what it describes. And I really do feel that today. And it really is exciting to feel that way. Like it's really neutral and that's exciting. That's amazing. That's a miracle. And it's a gift and I don't take it for granted. So I have to work. I want immunity. So just like I would want to never, ever, ever have a recurrence of cancer. I don't want to have a recurrence of this. So I want to stay immune. And the way I do that is I work with others. And I also do step 10. I got to check up on myself, right. And work with myself and understand myself. And like professionally, I, I work in the realm where I deal with a lot of people that have stuff, you know, I don't think that the stuff is what made me a compulsive overeater. I say, and I'm part of, pardon the metaphor. Cause it's, I know it's, it's like, it's a buzzword, but it's a tough word, but it's the only metaphor I could think, which is that genetics loaded the gun and life circumstances pulled the trigger. You know what I mean? It was like a, just a perfect storm of, I already had it in in the system, it's in my family, different levels of using something and, and what lights them up. Food was a big one that lit up the pleasure center in the brain. And then life, life happened. There was my father died of the baby. There was, you know, some unfortunately emotional abuse that went on. And, and um, I'm a mom of five. Let me tell you, like, I have a lot of grace um, and a lot of forgiveness for what went on. It doesn't mean it was okay. And I know that there are certain circumstances where like that it doesn't mean it's just, it's sensitive, but it also, I, I, I really actually understand how people can do what they do. I really do. To be honest with you, if you don't have tools, if you don't have tools, you know, and, um, so it says here, and it says, this is our 12th suggestion. And here's like a funny little thing that I heard about the word suggestion many years ago, which is like, when you hear the word suggestion in the big book, it's kind of like the suggestion that you wear a parachute when you jump out a plane. That's what we're talking about. When we say it's a suggestion, that's the kind of suggestion it is, right? Like I probably wouldn't jump out an airplane without a parachute. I probably shouldn't try to recover from this illness, ailment, disease, whatever you want to call it, without doing this very important step as, uh, and of course the 11 before. By the way, I said, I check up on myself a lot. I also am very committed to prayer, meditation, evening review. Um, and it took me a while to really get back and like to really get a routine. And, but at first it was like, I had to do it. And now I really want to do it. And I'm very grateful for that. Um, so it says, you can help when no one else can. So like, we're a, a major commodity. You know what I mean? Like it, there's a need, there's a need for this. How many more minutes do I have? Got one more minute. Oh my God, that was so fast. I didn't get to the book at all. I'm going to say one word that I want to share in this last minute. And that is friendship. Friendship is mentioned many times. I didn't count. Again, I'm not one of those count exactly how many, right? Friendship is mentioned a lot in this chapter because this is about making a friend. This is about making a friend and being available you know, the kind of friend I'm going to end one second, the kind of friend where like, you cannot speak for years and pick up the, well, let's just say months or year, or even years. I pick up and you just pick up where you left off. By the way, most of my friends are like that. Not that I don't speak to them in years, but like, I just can't deal with like, 
high need, you know what I mean? It needs to be like, wherever we are, we pick up. That's what we get here. So I'm not a dictator. I don't tell people what to do. I'm always there. If, if you need help, it's friendship. And that is something that my sponsor really taught me and is right here in the book. And that I think is the most important thing about step 12 is we're making a friend so that we can always be there so that someone can pick up the phone if they need help and know that I'll be there. And please God, I hope that I can always be on the end of the phone that picks up rather than has to make the call asking for that help. Um, so that's it. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Haya. That was beautiful. And you're beautiful. My goodness. All that experience, strength, and hope that you shared with us. Fabulous. Um, we are going to now open the meeting for questions or for three-minute shares. As this is a big book study, sharing and questions should relate specifically to the chapter being studied this week. We ask you to, you to accept this guideline in order to keep the meeting on track. If you'd like to share or ask a question, please raise your, raise your virtual hand, which is under reactions or star nine if you're on the phone. And now does the Zoom host call the name or do I? I know things change. I call the name, zippity doo I can do that. Please allow three minutes for the answer. So you get to chat for three minutes and then three minute answer if you wanna answer for three minutes. Okay, so I'm gonna call on the first person. I, as I see them in my Hollywood square boxes, Catherine, take it away. Thanks, uh, Catherine A, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Haya, thank you so much for your share. I'm interested to hear about your approach to sponsoring specifically in terms of how you get started with a new sponsee. Do you start with, uh, going straight into the doctor's opinion? Do you, what's, what's your approach? That's a great question. I'm so glad you're asking because like I, I didn't get to share that. So one of the things I do and um, is that I interview and I let them interview me, right? So I, um, I even have it written here. Like it's, you each have a right to interview each other, right? It, you want to get to know the person. I want to, get, a lot of times people will be like, I need a sponsor. They get a sponsor and it may not be a right fit. Now, if you're desperate, just grab onto somebody. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not saying be picky. It's, it's, God will take care of it. Right. But sometimes it's not a good match. You know, like I was saying, my profession, like it has to be good rapport, right? That's the most important thing. They should be skilled, but also a good rapport. So I feel like it's, even though it's totally separate sponsorship, it's a friendship it's going to be a relationship, right? So I want to get to know the person. Also, how willing really are they? Because quite frankly, I get asked a lot, right? And I can't work with everybody. Like I don't have time. Now, the truth is, is I think Kim G says, it. I, I, most of my things, I don't even make up, but so this one, I didn't make up. They come in by the thousands and they go out by the 999s. It's so true. So really I could say yes to everybody. And the truth is most people are going to fall off anyway, but sometimes they don't. And then I don't know, you know, and then it's like, I have to juggle time and I want to be able to be there. So I give actually three pre-assignments, you know, first I want to hear about them. What's going on for you? Tell me what's going on. What are you looking for? What do you need? What's, what's hurting? Why do you need this? Right. And then they'll say, please, can you know, and then I give them an assignment and then they do that. And then I'll give them maybe another one, you know, and then I'll give them another one. And by then, then we've established, do they want me? 
Do I, you know, is this a good fit? And then we'll start. And I have some requirements. So basically the requirements that my sponsor had of me. And quite frankly, those of you that know me know when I, when my sponsor said, I said, I will do anything you tell me except change my religion. That was the only thing I wasn't willing to do. She goes, good thing. You don't have to change your religion. And, um, but I was like, tell me to sit out on the I-70 upside down, you know, in a raincoat and I'll do it. Like I wanted what she had so badly. So I was a, I'm looking to see, are you a yes ma'am or a nobody? Right. And it's okay. And if you're a nobody and it's not the right fit, it's okay. I'm here anyway. So I don't take offense if someone says, you know, I'm going to work with someone else. I don't take offense because it's not about me. So that's how I begin. And then um, I'm not in charge of their food. They do need to have a plan of eating given by a doctor, nutritionist, something that understands how we operate here in terms of like what the disease is like. I don't define for people what they need to be, what their alcoholic food and food behaviors are. Um, this is rigorous honesty from the get-go. So as honest as they can be. And I don't tell people what they cannot eat. They just, I do commit my food every day and I have them do that, but it's not because they're asking me permission. Is this okay? It's more to have accountability. And then we do work every day. You know, they do work. I don't do line by line in the big book. That to me takes way too long. And we are in a race against time. Anybody who's old enough, my age or above, you know, the show beat the clock. You know what I mean? This is beat the clock. We got to beat the clock because that disease, the book tells us a few chapters earlier, is going to come back. If we don't get that recovered and we don't get that access to power. The other thing is that I don't expect people to know and to, to, I will never say, I'll, I'll wrap up with the sense. I will never say that. Well, I don't think you really want it because we can't confuse desire with power. We're not, we're, if someone has a desire, they still may not be able to get it. Right. So, cause we need power. And so I want to help them get access to that power. So we have, you know, we negotiate a little, I mean, I, these are my requirements. If not, go, it's okay. Work with someone else. It's really okay. And I will always be there to answer the phone if they call me again. I hope that answers. Thanks for the question, Catherine. And now we have Angela. Angela, go ahead. Hey, everyone. Uh, thank you, everybody, for those who are doing service tonight. I am Angela, gratefully recovered, compulsive overeater and bulimic. Um, Haya, it was wonderful hearing you. Thank you so much for coming and sharing your experience, strength, and hope with us tonight. Um, you had mentioned that little uh, period of time where you left the program. I'm just wondering, I have a question, uh, wondering if you could speak to what it was that you heard that brought you back in. Um. It's a great question. I'm not sure it was something I, well, you know what I heard? I literally woke up one morning and I heard between these ears, go back to OA. That's really what happened. And I picked up the phone and I called a friend. And um, so that was really how I came. Back. Let me tell you, ego was mm, that part of me that wants to look like she's got it together. Ugh. I was not a happy camper. But that's just part of me because there's another part of me that really wants to recover and be part of you, you know, be with all of you. And so I let that part leave instead of the part of me that wanted to like not look so bad. It took me a little while, you know what I mean? I remember saying to one lady that I was asking to sponsor me, you know, like, 
I'm an accomplished woman, you know, and um, I don't want to be talked down to. And the truth is, I don't want to be talked down to. That's the truth. But I didn't have any other way to say it <laughs> except that way, <laughs> which was like, you know, I don't want to be. I, I really was like full of myself. It's the truth. The truth is. But I stuck around and um, it wasn't so easy in the beginning. It really wasn't. I'll tell you, I, I struggled a lot with because I was trying to control. And um, it wasn't until I surrendered. You know, I I I list, I actually listened to a, a podcast from someone who recovered from bulimia and anorexia because I was like, at this point I was running a lot to compensate and I couldn't stop eating. Like I couldn't stop overeating dinner. I will tell you, I wasn't, thank God, in the sugar, in the flour and all that. It for me, this was like the final blow was just that volume. Let me tell you, ladies, gentlemen, you whoever, you can gain weight. You could be up and down binging on vegetables. You know what I mean? Like, so that's why like certain places, like the payways don't work for me because they're all zero points or as much as you want. And I literally would be eating them all day long. And so this, um, you know, I just, it was really God leading me back to the rooms and then eventually and sitting long enough for my ego to be willing. That's really what happened. Thanks for the question, Angela. And next up, we have Leslie Kay. Take it away, Leslie. Hi, thank you so much, Haya. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, okay, great. Um, <clears throat> I'm in this bucolic place in on the coast of Oregon. And last night, in the middle of the night, uh, someone tried to steal our e-bikes uh, right out from under our noses. And they cut the the wires and and they tried to in any way they didn't make it because we had a second pair of locks but um what it did was it triggered this um uh fear thing <clears throat> which i have been living kind of free of now for um i would say six months of my current abstinence and it's just been a magnificent thing to be fear-free Fear free, da 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 da. But um, I uh, I wanted to ask if you could share a little bit about um, this thing that I believe is attached to the mental twist. I think fear, shame, and guilt are all attached to the mental twist, and that twist makes me stand in front of a mirror and think I'm fat when I'm not, and the twist tells me that I'm going to be raped, not just my bike being stolen. And the twist tells me that there is um, no place safe. And the twist tells me that I should be guilty for the people that I've hurt, even though I've made amends to them. It'll never be enough. And the twist tells me that never there's never enough. So could you share a little bit about how you manage the twist? Yeah, it's a great question. Thank um, and thank you. For the question, um, and Oregon is very beautiful. I went to college there. Um, I bottomed out, came into OA there actually. Um, okay, so here's my take, okay? People come in these rooms with a lot of stuff beyond the disease of compulsive overeating. Like I said, I believe the genetics or my makeup loaded that 
pre, you know, predispose me to it. Now, if I never, ever picked up, if I never compulsively ate, then it wouldn't have been activated. Right. But I did put foods in my mouth that did trigger more, more, more. I mean, I hid rice. Oh my God. What I used to do, you know, I'm sure you guys know, like how much cinnamon and how much sugar goes on cinnamon toast. You know what I mean? And, you know, eating a cake, eating the frosting, then getting the cake, then eating around it, then eating around it again, then having to run out and go buy another one. Right. That was, <sighs> but there's a lot of stuff that happens to people in life that causes them to have a lot of, a lot of feelings, a lot of shame, a lot of guilt, a lot of fear beyond, um, not beyond, but like, I guess what I want to say is not oh, the 12 steps and this fellowship is not going to heal trauma. <laughs> it's not, it's going to help you be able to deal with the trauma without having to go and eat. Maybe. Sometimes people, the trauma is so bad that that part of them just has to eat, right? And so, but, so I don't know that all of that is a mental twist. I know that fear, it says it's the corroding thread, it's weaved. It's a human condition, by the way, fear. And it's just that not everybody has to like watch it and make sure and keep tabs of it and make sure that it doesn't fester because I'll pick up if it does. So I have bought, now they labeled it, right? The, the DSM five has it body dysmorphia. I, I know that when I look in the mirror, I do not see an accurate picture. I have accepted that about myself. I no longer weigh myself. This is the first time it's probably about six or seven months. I heard a woman speak and she talked about it. And I said, I, I was like crying. She's like, no one says you have to do this. I'm like, no, I know it's time. You know, so I've been on a scale at ages and it's the most freeing thing ever. Cause as long as the scale, I do weigh and measure my food. As long as the scale in the kitchen is accurate. I don't have to worry about the scale in the bathroom. And, um, I happen to be a little bit on the thinner side right now, just cause of some, the way I have to eat for some health issues. And, um, you know, I actually think that people that weigh more than me look better than me. That's the truth the first time in my life. So I just, the question, the, the mental twist, not all of it is the actual mental twist. I have to manage in OA the stuff that the big book teaches me and how to work with it. And then I go get outside help for the stuff that AA is not going to help me with. And together, those two are a beautiful combination of growth and big girlness, you know what I mean? Like growing up. So thanks. Hope that answered. Thanks for the question, Leslie. And next up we have Shannon A. Go ahead, Shannon. Hi, Shannon, bulimic compulsive eater. Thank you so much, Haya. Um, I uh, just really wanted to kind of claim my seat. Like my head's everywhere. I've been a uh, doing research as people like to say. So um, um, I just really, really, it touched me when, you know, you ended with the friendship thing because, you know, today I was uh, with a friend who um, we've been, you know, dealing with some trauma stuff, like, you know, we've gotten pretty close and been very honest and open with and I started 
kind of talking to him about OA. And it was like the things he asked me and the questions, I was just like, get out of here. Like, come on, you don't know anything, you know? And I, I can talk to all of you and it's like the most intense loving relationship that I've ever experienced. I've never been so honest with anyone. And I truly believe that, you know, there's things that I could, would never want to say to the people who I love the most and are dearest to me, because I'm honestly, I'm scared of making them scared. But I don't think there's anything I can say to any of you or that you can say to me that are going to scare me away. I can't say how many friends I've lost in the past from, you know, my issues and whatever, if it scared people away. And it's also the thing that sadly has made it so that sadly my disease is saying, I can't stay back in the food because of all of you jerks are going to pull me back into the rooms. And it's just like, I was saying to someone today, it's like, if I can't do this for myself or, you know, we can't do this for ourselves, we can at least do it for the other people in the rooms, you know? And um, that same person also once told me to take the carrots out of my ears. And I love how you, you know, brought up the whole volume eating thing that just stuck with me again too, because that's something that keeps pulling me back to the food, you know? the snacking on those damn fucking carrots. You know, it's the, the, it's the keeping the power still there a little bit. And I'm all kind of all over the place right now because that's where my head is. But I just, you know, really wanted to express how cleansing it is to be here right now and just the real friendship that I've gotten from all of you. Even though I've never actually physically touched the majority of you. Um, yeah, so I love you guys. Thank you, Shannon. Um, we will now stop the recording for unrecorded questions. So with the Zoom host, please stop the recording.